welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. I love any illustration that has French fries. I love it. I love it. And um, I want to let you know, how many are excited you want to do that with your children? You want to bring them to McDonald's, Culver's, or, or somewhere that has French fries and try it. I'm going to guarantee you it's a teachable moment. I'm preaching with a mouthful. Um, I did that with Connor and Logan. I brought them to the uh, McDonald's or somewhere, did the French fries. And, uh, you know, of course, they were like, no, we want to keep the French fries. And then I just went off like, I could bury you in French fries. And uh, they turned out okay. So yours kids will turn out okay. Um, I just encourage you uh, to teach that and to understand that, that God owns everything. God owns all the French fries. God owns everything. And everything we have comes from him. I, I, get, I love what First Chronicles 29, 14, but who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you and we have given you only what comes from your hands. I mean, we've done it. We blessed you. I can remember when my dad said, uh, hey, you're gonna go buy your mom a Mother's Day gift and he gave us money, like their money to buy them a gift. And we were so excited about the gift we bought for mom that she gave us the money. I mean, that's what giving to God is like. He provides us with everything. And let's, let's, re, yeah, let's remember that. Let's realize that uh, he takes care of us. He gives us everything. He gives us the French fries. He's bigger than the French fries. I just want us to grab that in this series because we're learning in this that we're going to put God first. We're going to put God first. And we're also going to learn to trust him. And then we've got to realize that everything comes from him. And he has more where that came from. Just grab that. He has more where that came from. And we are going to learn that there's a scarcity mentality and we've got to overcome a scarcity mentality and realize that we serve a God of abundance, all right? And it, it's crazy if you can't trust God with your, with your finances that he's entrusted to you and yet you trust him with eternity. We, we said that last week. We have to be able to trust God with everything, our finances, our eternity, everything. And let's get there and realize he is going to take care of us. Now, I know that some of you stepped out in faith and did your very first tithe, and I want to say thank you for that, for stepping out in faith and doing that. Uh, whether it was today or last week or online, um, God is faithful. He's got more French fries where that came from. He will take care of you. He will bless you. Uh, put your mind at ease. You're in obedience, and I'd rather trust in his goodness than your skill set. All right? His goodness than your skill set, and he's going to take care of you. Now, today I want you to get there today understanding that God has more where that came from. And I also want to make sure that your heart is right. Uh, it's interesting. There's not really a, a seed in the world that won't grow if you plant it with a bad attitude. Think about that. There's not a seed. Like if you plant an apple seed with a bad attitude, like there, put it in the ground, it's still going to grow. Okay. But if you give to the Lord and you're like there, how many, know it's, it, you're in the wrong spot. It's interesting. So I want you to be in the right spot because some people are giving and you did your tithe and you're like, 
there. You know, don't be that way. You should be thankful. Like, God, thank you for that. Another thing is some people tithe and they do it this way. They say, like, they give that 10% and they're like, all right, I'm giving it. Like, it's, like it's mob money. You know what I'm saying? Like, okay, give me some good. Keep the bad away. There's the tithe. All right. I don't want you there either. I want you to be all in, heart, God, you're taking care of me. You're blessing me. I won't do this grudgingly. I'll do this with a cheerful heart. Now, we've got to realize that it comes from God. He's got more than enough. And I want you to look at the first story of giving in Genesis chapter 4, uh, verses 3 through 7. It's, it's, it's a story on giving. It also, it just ends horribly because one brother kills the other. But we have Cain and Abel. And it's interesting. It says, in the course of time, Cain, Cain brought some of the first fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. I love that. It's like he's bringing the first fruits. And he says, and Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Abel brought some and Cain brought some. I think I said that wrong in the beginning. Cain brought some of it and was like, yeah, here you go. And Abel's like, man, I bless you, God. I bless you. I bless you. I want and he was doing it with the right attitude. Abel was like, I give you the first bite. And Cain's like, here's some. Here's some. All right. Let me make sure. I want to make sure I did that right. He's like, I give you some. And Abel's like, I give you the best. And it's a hard attitude. Uh, Abel was realizing, like, I'm giving you the best. I realize you provided the French fries. You provide everything. You're taking care of me, and I honor you. And Cain's like, man, I just have to give it to you because I have to. And you see that he, he kills his brother. It's so sad. It's like this, this heart, his heart wasn't right. He wasn't allowing God to do the heart surgery. In the Bible, we notice that we serve a God of abundance. And, and Abel got that. He's like, man, I, I get it. I'm going to bring this best to you and you'll take care of me. And I want to point this out because I think today in our church world, we have people that don't realize we serve a God of abundance. We serve a God of abundance. And um, it's way better than French fries. Way better than French fries. Uh, theologian Walter Brueggemann, uh, I might have pronounced his name wrong, but he wrote an article on this. I'm going to use a lot of it. Uh, it was just incredible insight. And he points out this. He said, in Genesis chapter 1, we see that God says, uh, I, I can create out of nothing. Think about that. We serve a God that can create out of nothing. You're wondering, does he have enough for your needs? He's like, I can create out of nothing. And in Genesis 1, we see here's a God of abundance that from nothing creates something. And he's like, I created that and it's good. I created that and it's good. I created that and it's good and it's good and it's good and it's good. Abundance. So the Bible starts with a God who tells us he can create out of nothing. Grab that right now. If you're thinking God can't take care of you, God can create out of nothing. That's how the Bible starts out. And he's like, be fruitful, multiply. He talks about the laws of sowing and reaping. Maybe you've heard that from another preacher. It's not a bad thing. It's a law that God says, if you plant this, it'll grow. It'll bring more. I have fruitfulness. I have abundance. I can multiply. That's the kind of God that I am. I mean, and so the Jewish people, they understood God is a God of abundance. You see in Psalm 104, you may not realize this, but it's a psalm about creation. And the Jewish people are excited. It's like a poem. And they're saying, God, you are a God that creates. You take care of everything. You feed everything. I mean, just think for a moment. Aren't you glad you don't have to feed everything on this planet? 
I mean, you know, I think the Smith family, they got six kids, man. Praise God. He's feeding them all. You know, but I mean, I, I just, I, I, we just had two I had to take care of. But God's taking care of everything. And the psalmist is like, I, I, you are amazing. You take care of the beasts of the field. You feed the people. You feed everyone. You feed everything. Psalm 104, verse 27, 28, he says, All creatures look to you to give them their food at the proper time. When you give it to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are satisfied with good things. In verse 29 of that, he's like saying, man, you, you help the earth breathe. If you take away your hand, God, we can't even breathe. We're done for. And so like, you get abundance. Psalmist is like, you're amazing. It's all coming from you. Psalms 50 also ties into that. And Psalm, I'm sorry, Psalms 150 ties in its abundance, its goodness. And the psalmist is saying like, praise God. He's doing everything. Don't worry about it. Spend your time praising him. Don't worry. Like he's amazing. And so we have a God of abundance that takes care of everything that we should praise. And the Bible starts with this abundance. Think about it. Genesis, uh, you know, the creation, abundance. Abraham, abundance. He's like, look out at the stars. That's your descendants. I'm taking care of you. You don't understand. This is going to multiply and multiply and multiply. I am taking care of you. And the Bible in Genesis is abundance, abundance, abundance. Sowing, reaping, herds growing, 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 multiplying all the time. You see that. You get to Genesis chapter 47. This is interesting. Genesis 47, all of a sudden we have scarcity introduced into the Bible. Up until Genesis 47, nobody's even thinking, will God come through for us? He's always come through. Every single time. It's like, I need it, I plant it, it grows. I need it, I plant it, it grows. I have herds, they mate, they multiply, it's good. Multiply, abundance. Nobody's even thinking that God isn't a God of abundance. Genesis 47 comes in and Pharaoh has a dream that freaks all of us out to this very day. He has a dream, like I, I saw these fat cows and then I saw skinny cows and the skinny cows ate the fat cows. What does that mean? And we're, we're introduced to famine and scarcity for the very first time. And so we see that now and I think that that Pharaoh moment has hit all of us and we start thinking, oh yeah, there's scarcity, there's famine, it's bad, gotta watch out. And we forget God's providing the French fries. God's providing. Nobody's worried about it until then. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh no. And then God's people go into Egypt. They grow and they grow and they become slaves. And then he breaks them out and he gets them back into abundance. Think about that. It's abundant. And, and, and I know some of us, like we have backgrounds. We're like, wait a minute, abundance, prosperity. I'm not, I'm just telling you, we serve a God of abundance. We do. And, and so he breaks them out of slavery and Exodus is like this battle of, do we believe God is abundant or scarce? Do we believe he can provide for us or is Pharaoh going to take care of us? Do, what are we going to do? And God's like, I got you. I've got you. And God just creates uh, in this moment. He says, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to bring manna. I'm going to bring bread on you. And it, 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 it's, we see it. and We don't realize the significance of it. He once again is showing them, I'm a God of abundance. Out of nothing, I created this earth. Out of nothing, I'm making bread. You wake up in the morning and the bread is there. Exodus 16, verses four and five. Then the Lord said to Moses, it, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them. <laughs> I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. He's like, I got, I'm making bread and I want them to go out and get it. And I got to test. 
I want to see if they're going to follow it. On the sixth day, they're to prepare what they bring in, and it's to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. Because on the Sabbath, he's not making any bread, so he's making double. So he's got this plan, and he's like, now don't keep any over till tomorrow, because if you do, it's going to rot. So he's got a test built in there. But again, they're slaves. And, and how many know slaves and people with scarcity mentality are like, me, mine, mine. Okay, I have to admit, like, I like pens. I go to hotels and I take pens and pens and pens. I'm like, the other day I was looking at the drawer. I was like, I can't even write with all that. If I wrote a new pen every day for the rest of my life, I'm, your hotel is safe. I'm no longer taking pens. All right. There's something about us. We just keep, keep, get, get, get. And so they're out there and they're, they're like, is God my source or am I my source? Am I, and there's bread showing up. And so it, think about it. It was bread they didn't grind. They didn't grow. They didn't bake. They didn't buy. God's showing up and dropping bread on them. And I want you to realize this. You can trust in a God of miracles. You can trust in a God of miracles. I mean, he outperforms the market, okay? He's a God of miracles. And so they're like, do we have enough? Do we? And so if you read the story in Exodus, these guys are like, all right, uh, there's a lot there. I'm going to take a little extra and I'm going to keep it till morning. What does the Bible tell us? The Bible tells us that turned rotten. He had maggots. And they're like, huh, God didn't want me to have extra. He wanted me to trust him every day. And then they get the double thing on, you know, the day before the Sabbath. How many know they probably were excited about that? Double! (laughs) And then the Bible tells us that some of the people still went out on the Sabbath day. He's like, there's no bread out there. It's not going to grow on that day. And they still went out like, is it there? Because they're still thinking scarcity. They're still not listening. And he's like, don't you understand? I am taking care of you. I'm a God of abundance. I'm creating bread where there is no bread. And we just have to grab that. God is a God of abundance. God is a God of the the miraculous. I I hear people all the time say, well, I started tithing and I can't explain it. All of a sudden this happened and this, and then I I don't know how we made it. It just, it seems like something, I don't know. Like there was a miraculous touch on our money. I'm telling you, we serve the God of the miraculous, a God that lives in abundance. And so all these people, they're trying to figure out like, the, the, the children of Israel, they're like coming out of Egypt and they're like, they're living in what I would call Pharaoh fear. Pharaoh fear. And I think a lot of us are still living in Genesis 47, Pharaoh fear. And we've got to get past Genesis 47, Pharaoh fear and say, I'm going to live in a God that has abundance. I'm going to live and trust in that God. We, we serve a God that delivers bread in the desert. We serve a God that delivers fish and chips to the crowd. Some of you don't know your New Testament. Some of you do. All right. We serve a God that said, I care for you more than the birds and the flowers. We serve a God that paves heaven with streets of gold. He's like, I am a God of abundance. I'm a God that will take care of you. And we've got to say, I want to get over Pharaoh fear. I just want us to commit right now. I will get over Pharaoh fear. And a lot of us live there and we're stuck there. Jesus said, you cannot live in Pharaoh fear. He said it in a different way. He said, you can't serve God and mammon. God's saying, I have abundance. Mammon is saying, you need to hold on to it. It's about you. Keep it, hold it, hang on to it. Jesus said, no one can serve 
two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money or mammon. God says, I've got this. I've got this. Trust me. He's saying, give and be blessed. Mammon says, get yours. Trust yourself. Hoard and be happy. Mammon's lying to you. I have never seen a stingy, happy person. Have you ever seen a stingy, happy person? I've never seen a stingy, happy person. Like, I'm so happy. <laughs> How many like, stingy people? <laughs> they kind of get like, stingy, you know? I'm so happy with my money. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I've never seen people that are generous that are not happy. I mean, they're just like generous and they're happy. And they're like, we get to give. And sometimes people around them are like, why are they so happy? I think we should be so generous that people look at us and say, what is wrong with them? And hopefully that will lead to what is right with them. And our generosity will do that. I mean, again, he's like, you can't serve God and mammon. And, and God's, Jesus is trying to show that God is a God of abundance as well. Think about that. They're like, Lord, we need to pay our taxes. He's like, go fishing. Catch a fish. Watch what happens. I can make money show up in the mouth of a fish. They're like, Lord, what do we need to do? We have all these people here. He's like, what do we got? Couple of fish, some bread, get some basket. All right, let's do this. We serve a God of abundance. I mean, think about it. Jesus is trying to teach them that. They're like, well, uh, you need a donkey to ride it. He's like, go, there's, there's going to be one tied up. Go get it. Hey, we need a room to celebrate Passover. He goes, yeah, go into the town. There's going to be a guy carrying a water bucket on his head. He's the guy. Which, by the way, would have been way outside of their culture. The women usually carried the water, so that would be easy to spot the guy. Like, where's the guy? There's a the guy. All right? And, but Jesus knew that. He's like, I've got abundance. I've got ways to take care of you that you don't even think of. I mean, think about that. The, the, the feeding of the 5,000, he feeds them and then multiplies it, has baskets left over. You think about that. Uh, Jesus, he's like, cast your net on the other side. What happens? They start breaking the net and sinking the boat. That's abundance. And so Jesus is trying to say, do you understand? Abundance, don't let Pharaoh fear hold you from what God wants you to grab into. And again, that's the fear that keeps us from tithing. That's the fear that keeps us from following the prompt to give more money. God says, give that. And you're like, oh no, oh no. There's seven skinny cows coming. And we save and save and save. How many know we're like, I'm going to save for a rainy day. And then it's like a rainy week. And then it's a rainy month. And then it's a rainy year. Then it's a rainy decade. Then it's like a, a rainy eternity, you know. And then we're just like, oh, that's Pharaoh fear. That's all that is. And God wants you to get over the Pharaoh fear and move into this recognition that he is a God of abundance. Another great book that I read in this prep of this uh, series is God and Money. If you want to get that book, it's by uh, John Cortines, I think, and uh, Gregory Baumer. I don't know how to pronounce the first guy's name, but God and Money. I read it. It was just a, a great book. And it said uh, that there's a battle within all of us today. The Pharaoh fear does a lot to us. Um, some of us fear like we're going to miss out, fear of missing out. How many know what I'm talking about? Fear of missing out. And there's spenders. How many would raise your hand right now? Well, don't raise your hand. Just internally smile. You know, I don't know what I want you to do. I don't want to. How many would say you're a spender? You're a spender. You're smiling right now. You're smiling. You're a spender. All right. You say, I'm a spender. I don't want to miss out. And they say they're spenders. And then how many would say you're a saver? Okay. You think about it. Saver. And saver is probably just like, that's right, saver. I'm in the right category. <laughs> probably not. Um, 
Then there's servants. And they said there's savers, or spenders, savers, and servants. I'd add another category, stewards, that get it all right. But um, they talk about these three categories. And I just want to read this for just a second. It was, it was, it was great stuff. They, they said, a spender is represented by most people in America. They're the people that consume. Consumption is the name of the game, you know? Uh, so the spenders maximize value for today, all right? Then they said they're savers. They said savers, they strive to limit their consumption and they focus instead on accumulating wealth. It's interesting in our society, how many know we kind of have a like, good job, you're saving, good job, way to go. And he says savers maximize the value for the future, and he says, but servants, on the other hand, they're the one that have the rare mindset and they're, they're, they orient their whole life around how can this do the most good for God? How can I have enough that I will enjoy some things now? How can I save enough to take care of what's coming up ahead? But how can I try to maximize and be a servant that is like, hey, I want to be a blessing to the world. I want to be a blessing. And I believe that God wants us to be servants and he wants us to be there and saying, here I am, I'm going to give. And he says, if you would spend, spend, spend and you would enjoy all that the world has to offer, you're a spender. If you would seek to pay off your mortgage early, retire early or build a family dynasty of wealth, you're a saver. He said, but if you'd immediately think of how you could give your excess resources to Christian initiatives around the world, you are definitely a servant. And I think we should get there and realize, God, I want to be a servant. I want to be somebody that blesses this world. I want to be a giver. I want to be a giver. I want to realize that there's more where that came from. You gave the French fries, and I want to be a blessing. I want to be a giver. I want to go ahead and say, God, here's what I have. Use it for your glory. Psalm 24, verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. There's 17 words there, but it really says, hey, it's all his. Let's make sure that we recognize that. It's all his. He's taking care of it. He's, he's blessing you. He's asking you to give. He's asking you to sacrifice. And I believe this, this lifestyle of giving is good for us. Do you know that um, scientists have proven this, that giving is good for your body? Do you know that? It's not just good. It's not just pastors telling you this. Scientists have proven that it's good. They're saying that when you give and when you're generous and when you realize that God will take care of you, he'll bring you more French fries where that came from. He's your source. He will take care of you. And you live in an abundance mentality. They've proven that it's actually good for your body. They say that uh, uh, there's all sorts of uh, uh, dopamine and various endorphins that are released in your body when you're a generous person. That's why you can't be sad. You're, you're giving away and there's endorphins. There's all these things that are going on. And they say that the giving, when you're giving and when you're generous, what it does, it brings purpose to your life. Um, it activates, get this, get this. When you start to give and you're generous and you just realize that God's got it, I'm gonna share, I'm gonna give, I'm gonna tithe, I'm gonna do this. They say it's the same effect. It activates the same part of your body as if you won the lottery. So as they say, they're like, that's not true. Try it. Give. It says it's the same part. Matter of fact, they say when you give and you're generous, you know what it's the same as? Getting a raise. That's what they say. 
You can't control that you're going to get a raise, but you can control that you will release all the chemicals in your body by being generous and by saying, God, I trust you. Physically, scientists have proven this, that that's what happens when you give. Another thing that happens when you don't give, stress hormones start to grow in your body. You cannot have pain management. Pain management starts to go down and you start to suffer. Uh, Your blood pressure will go up and fear goes off the charts. Pharaoh fear. Pharaoh fear is what hits you. All of a sudden you start holding it and holding it and hoarding it. And all of a sudden Pharaoh fear starts to cripple you. It's the craziest thing. I watch these people that have so much and they're so afraid of running out. I mean, I've talked to financial planners that are like, yeah, I meet with people and I'm like, you got enough. And they're like, I don't know. I don't know. Well, you have like, you know, $25 million. And if you tried to spend a million a year, you're 70 years old. I mean, you're good. I mean, it's like, and they're like, I don't know. Seriously, that's feral fear. It's feral fear. Interesting thing too. They talk about Americans who not give away 10% of their income run the significant risk of ending up less happy than they otherwise would have been in fact if they would have given it away. I mean, they're saying if you don't give it away, you're going to be in the unhappy group. And if you give it away and you do it, you're going to be in the happy group. I want to be in the happy group because I trust God as my source. Let me, let me just say something to the younger generation. If you're, if you're under 30, this is for you. Um, there's a lot of the, you know, Tom's shoes, and I'm not against Tom's shoes. I, I like Tom's shoes, okay, right? But it's like, I gave, I did it, I bought shoes, you know? I gave, I, I did blood donation, I did it good. I did buy one, get one, you know? I, I did the roundup, you know? I went from seven forty to $8, and the extra 60 cents went to charity. All right, I just, and again, it's all good, it's all good, but that is like add-on. Okay, the same scientific study that said you're blessed if you give said if you just do that, it's not enough. You're thinking like, man, I'm trying to be generous. I bought a pair of Toms and I was hoping that I'd get a little endorphin rush. And they're saying it's just not enough. It's not enough. You're like, man, I rounded up. I went for $748 and they're saying it's not enough. You're just fooling yourself. You're playing with generosity and, you're, and you're, you're just giving the little tip, the little extra little leftovers. And they're saying you have to do something significant. You have to do something significant to get that endorphin rush. You have to do something significant to activate generosity in your life. And that's why I think God says, give me a tithe. Give me a tithe and go from there and you will get that, that good response, that good endorphin, that good rush. And you got to realize God is is providing you with everything you need. Please do not live in pharaoh fear. Please do not live there. Don't live there where you're just giving God a little bit. I just, I was thinking about this too. I bet you there's some in here. Um, Pharaoh fear says, okay, God, if you need some, you get the burnt fries. I didn't, I I think people do like the burnt ones, you know. And, you know, have you ever seen those mutant ones? Oh yeah, I got one right here. The the one with a little black spot. What is that, by the way? (laughs) I'm not sure that is, but you're like, here, God, here, you have that, you know. And that's Pharaoh fear. That's Pharaoh fear. Don't live there. The Bible has so much to say about money because money has the power to do good and bad. There's over 2,000 scriptures on it. There's only 500 on faith and prayer combined. And it's saying, God's saying, I want you to live in the abundance. I want you to grab this. God is a God of abundance. God is a God of abundance. He will take care of you. There's more French fries where that came from. 
He's not limited. He has unlimited resources. God will take care of you. Break out of Pharaoh fear and move into abundance. It's before Genesis 47. It's in the New Testament. Jesus is letting you know, I'll take care of all your needs and you need to break out of Pharaoh fear. So Lord, I just pray right now that you'd help us to do that. You'd help us to, to break out of Pharaoh fear. We'd realize you're a God of abundance. I pray that we'd start with our tithe and we'd move up from there. And I come against any fear that holds people back and says, you know what, I, I can't give, I can't do it. I, I, I don't know if God will take care of me. Lord, you, you've blessed us with more than the French fries. You will take care of it. It's what you do. You're a God of abundance. So I come against fear and I pray that your children would follow you in obedience. They'd start with the tithe. They'd move up from there. They'd follow the prompt, whatever you speak to them, Lord Jesus, and they'd be generous on every occasion. Thank you, Lord. We overcome Pharaoh fear in Jesus' name and live in that abundance. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen.